What an incredible time of worship to think about uh, God. We don't have to understand God, but we can know God. And man, what a dichotomy that is, but what a beauty that is as well. Because 2020 is incredibly difficult to understand, right? Uh, what a year, what a year. But God is in control of it all. Uh, South Florida newspaper did a survey, did a study of motorists driving on the interstate, driving on actually old highway US 1, uh, and the drives up the, 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 the east coast of Florida. And in Miami area, I don't know exactly where, what mile marker or what, but they did a study. They, they put a lady, an actress, a young actress named Sally Mullins, put her on the side of the road and let her uh, pose in several different scenarios. Uh, put her in a car-troubled situation and put her beside the road. And this 22-year-old actress was dressed with different attire and had a different kind of vehicle. And each time, uh, the newspaper was watching from the side, assessing how fast or how well people would respond to a stranded motorist. Uh, they look, They counted the number of cars and the number of minutes or seconds it took for someone to stop and to help. Here's a couple of the scenarios that Sally Mullins was dressed in. One, she was dressed, first of all, in a business uh, woman's attire, had a nice professional suit on, had nice shoes on, had a nice sports car, and put her on the side of the road, raised the hood, and then they started the stopwatch. And 90 seconds and 62 cars later, Bill Leonard stopped to help. That's the first scenario. The second scenario was soccer mom, uh, eight months pregnant, pulled over a minivan, raised the hood on the minivan, and it was two and a half minutes, a hundred cars before Bob and Dorothy Jennings stopped to help. Then they put a senior adult lady, dressed Sally Mullins up to be a senior adult lady, put a bun on the top of her head and uh, put her out on the side of the road in her car. And five minutes, 200 cars later, Glenn Newell, a 22-year-old co-ed student, pulled over and helped this lady. Uh, 60s, 1960s, uh, maybe you were alive during that time, but you remember that there are, there's still some people living in the 1960s today. Uh, so dressed Sally Mullins up as a hippie, uh, long, straight, straggly hair, uh, bell-bottom jeans, put her over in a VW van on the side of the road and started the stopwatch. 15 minutes later, 350 cars, they finally had to stop the experiment, otherwise it would still be going on, uh, because nobody stopped to help the hippie. But the one that took the cake was the sports car, black miniskirt lady with high heels, the first car, nine seconds, Ed Kent stopped to help. So there's a lot you can learn sociologically from that study. What motivates you? What inspires you? A miniskirt, a, a sports car, I don't, I don't know. High heels, what, what is your inspiration? What is your motivation? What is your willingness? What creates a willingness in you to be able to take your life, put it on pause, all your agenda and everything that's driving at you and say, listen, I'm going to look at someone else. I'm going to value someone else more than me. What is your motivation? What motivates you? 
What is your drive? What is your intention? What is your inspiration? What is your willingness? What does it take to get you there? And I want to share today about something that's maybe not as sexy and attractive as a a girl in the miniskirt on the side of the road that you would pull over and help. But I want to talk today about something that is maybe a little less attractive, but certainly impactful in what it means to love our neighbors. The idea of, of ministry and serving and giving of your time and energy to someone else without any guaranteed return to your, to your own time and resources and, and benefits can be, again, exhausting. But it is necessary. It is noble. And it is good. Sometimes we do what we do because we want to help other people and uh, we want to better their lives. But ministry is serving and loving and caring as a lifestyle where it becomes a part of who we are. Not the occasional Good Samaritan deeds, even though we shared an entire message about the Good Samaritan. Doing one-off deeds from time to time is not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a lifestyle. Doing um, maybe buying a person a cup of coffee in the car behind you is a one-off deed that you might do as a random act of kindness. This could be noble and good, but really, what is lifestyle? investment in pouring in and impacting people's lives, going to an orphanage like New Day Orphanage where we partner with and holding a baby and getting that Instagram selfie. Is that what it means to do ministry? Is that your motivation? Is that your inspiration? Is that what makes you willing? Hopefully you will have something inside of you that is deeper than that. And hopefully something inside that is driving you. Serving and loving and caring and giving is a lifestyle. That's what we are aiming at. Whenever we talked about last week kicking off this message, um, back in Mark chapter 12 again this week, because we didn't finish it, if some of y'all were paying close attention. The um, Last week, we talked about what is the most important. We were really letting Jesus set for us what are the big rocks of life. As the scribe comes up and asks Jesus the question, what's most important? What is the most important thing out there? What's the most important that if I'm going to focus my time and attention on, if I'm going to give my energy and effort to something, what's the most important? If I'm going to really invest in eternity and hope that I make it there one day to your uh, heavenly kingdom, God, what is the most important? And so hopefully you're asking yourself right now, what is the most important? We as a church are asking ourselves, what is most important? And one of those absolutely most important of most importance is knowing God. Just as Ellie helped write that song and talked about, you may not understand God, but you can know God. In fact, it is impossible for the finite to understand or comprehend the infinite. And if God is infinite, there's no way in, in, in this world that we will ever be able to understand him. Knowing God, though, is not the same as knowing about God. I want to say that again. I want, you to, I want you to say that with me, okay? Knowing God is not the same thing as knowing about God. There's a lot of people who can fill in short answer, multiple choice, true, false questions about knowing about God. They just have to attend church a few times. They have to go to Sunday school class a few times, and they'll get some of the big things. But that's not knowing God. Knowing God is what we are talking about. And as we talked about last week, it begins with an intimate love relationship with God. If it doesn't start there, then it's not going to be there. 
Because Jesus talks about this whole idea of being born again. How does born again happen? I'm born once naturally of my mother, but yes, he talks about a spiritual rebirth that happens inside of you. And as a follower of Jesus, we are twice-born people in a once-born world. And so it's not going to always make sense to this world. So again, it starts with that knowing, intimate love relationship with God, but it's also an expressed love relationship with God. It's, it's not just that God expresses his love for us, John three sixteen. we all know that. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Okay, we know that verse. One of the most popular verses, if not the most popular verse in the Bible, that's God expressing his love towards us. But real love is a mutual giving, sacrificing, serving kind of love. And what God calls us to is that we would express our love back to him. But not just in some simple, uh, formatic kind of way, but in every part of who we are. That we would love God with all of our hearts, our souls, our minds, our our strengths, everything that you can parse your life out as. as I need to ask, am I loving God with this part of my life? And so the way I have a simple formula in my mind... I'm a simple person, I'm a simple thinker, is I just have to make sure that I'm giving God the first day out of every week, the first, the first moment in every day, the first dime out of every dollar, the first consideration in every decision. That is how I start levelizing my life against a God that deserves my full love just as he gave me his full love when he gave me his son, I should give him my life. So it begins by having this knowledge of God. No, no, knowing God, not simply a knowledge of God. But the second very important rock that Jesus was asked, if you remember, Jesus was asked, what is the most important? He answers, this is what the most important is. And he quotes from the Shema. He quotes from the most important passage in Scripture, Deuteronomy chapter 6. And again, if you heard that last week and you didn't take the time to go read Deuteronomy 6, I would encourage you to do that if I'm saying and others are saying it's the most important passage in all the Bible, that he says this is what we're to do. So think about it. The, the, The Jews would recite it three times a day. It's so important. Deuteronomy 6. But he says... And it's not just to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. But he actually talks about what it means to love people. And the whole loving people is a part that, that, that I think we might miss. We might miss, but really you can't miss it. It is absolutely a part of the story. So let's go back and just read in context. Mark chapter 12, verse 28. And one of the scribes came to him. Uh, came up and heard them disputing with one another. And seeing that he had answered them, asked him, which commandment is the most important of all? Absolutely. Lay it all out there. Boil it all down. Get all the meat off the bone. And this is the big rock, the final, the, the real essence of it all. And that is what Jesus answers then uh, in, 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 in the next verse. And he's going to talk about it. And it is about knowing God. Now, we talked about this last week, and you'll be glad I'm not going to spell things this week, all right? If you are a part of our services, you know my spelling is bad all the way around. I will spell two words, okay? I think I got these down, all right? You think God is up here? 
I'm just going to put us, put us all in the same here. But it is God coming down to us. God comes to us. We don't go to God. God comes to us. He initiates. He does it. He starts the whole conversation. He starts the whole relationship thing. But he calls us back to a love relationship with him. Now, let's go to verse 29 and following. Jesus answered, the most important is the hero of Israel. The Lord your God is one God. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and all your strength. And then he says, the second, the second is like it. The second is like it. He's going to call us to something else. But, but, but remember, the scribe only asked him for what was the most important. Now, this is incredibly important, if I overuse the word important here. That if they ask for what is one important, but Jesus gives them two importance, that means that Jesus is saying you can't separate one from the other. If you love God, you, or if you know God, you will love people. There will be a vertical relationship with God that will spill over into a horizontal connection and relationship with others. Don't miss this because when Jesus talks about it in the very next words, he says, and the second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Boils it all down, gets it down uh, plain and straight for us today. You cannot have a knowing God relationship without a Loving people lifestyle. Don't separate the two out. Don't say, I know God, but I can't stand people. I can say that sometimes. But what God calls us to is this knowing God, loving people. And whenever you get down to that, that is the very, when you talk about the great, this is called the great commandment in Scripture. It's the great commandment because it's great because it's incredibly hard to do. If God doesn't come to us, how are we going to connect to God? It, 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 it's incredibly priority. That what's, that's what makes it great. It's a highest priority. But it's also an entire lifetime of you living this out. So it is a great life with a great priority and a great thing that God initiates with us. So it is the great commandment. In fact, Grace Point is built. This is our purpose statement. This is what we, this is what we said whenever we started the church 18 years ago, that we said we weren't going to be about this and the Great Commission, which we'll talk about that next week. But here's what our purpose statement is, and you can keep it and drop it and forget it later on because it's just got a bunch of greats in it, okay? But here it is. So say it with me if you're a member of Grace Point or we want to just read it out loud. We have a great commitment because it's our purpose to the great commandment and the great commission to build a great church for our great God. I don't expect you to remember that. But I want you to say this is written into our bylaws. This is written into our constitution. This is what we are about as a church, as a church family. And if God is calling or leading some of y'all to be a part of our church, we so welcome you if this is what you want to be about. But I would say if this is not what you want to be about, then you probably want to keep looking at other churches. 
If you don't want to be connected to God and learn how to love others and express that love with others, then I'm going to invite you to be a part of that, but I'm going to also encourage you or to grow into that. Otherwise, if you're saying, I'm obstinate, I'm, I'm against that, then please, I encourage you to find that church that you can identify with. But I invite you to be a part of this church that's going to encourage you. It's going to be about helping you know God and to love people. And so I'm going to say this, if you're interested, or if you're just like, I'm in the journey, Mike, here, and I want to walk with you in this journey, and, 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 and I'm praying about this, and after next week, we'll even talk about more what to do next, uh, but I, I, I'm praying about this, Mike, do this, take out your phones and text in, I am Grace Point, all right, I am Grace Point to 9700. Because we want to communicate with you. I've got some videos that I'm going to send you this week, some communication that we want to hear back. We want to get to know you in this COVID weird world that we live in as best we can virtually. But we, if you're saying, hey, this is something that I can identify with. I'm sorry, y'all are on that side of the room. This is something that I can identify with. Then let's talk about what it means to go into a deeper dive relationship with that. How do I love people? Let's focus on the loving people today because that's the second part that that Jesus added in there. How do you love people? You know, it's really hard to love people in this world that we live in. The polarization, the ideologies that are different, the political uh, uh, separation, the viruses calling us to social distance and, and to isolate, these are not words that go with loving people. These are good. When you start having fear for one another because they might give you something, then we're kind of living in this bubble and we're creating a greater bubble and a greater sense of separation. And you put time over tension over time, then that will become our lifestyle. So, what is it going to take for us to reconnect and to be a people of love with one another? Let's talk about two realities of what it means to love people. One, love happens in messy relationships. Embrace the mess. Can I get an amen to that? It's messy. Relationships are messy. People are messy. There's two kinds of people out there. Those who think they have it all together and those who don't know they have it all together. Or those who know they have it all together. Oh, no, excuse me. I got to get it straight. Those who think they have it all together. See, I don't even have it all together. Those who think they have it all together and those who know they don't have it all together. And so, It's the, I know I don't have it all together that you can have community with. Those who think they have it all together, they're the ones that have a hard time because they're going to pick and they're going to pry and they're going to pull. But listen, when you look at scriptures, I love it that Jesus doesn't wait for us to get our act together, but he actually embraces us in our mess. The cross is messy. Death is messy. Death is bloody with Jesus dying on the cross. But yet when you read Romans chapter 5 verse 8, God shows his love toward us in that while we were still sinners. He doesn't wait for us to get cleaned up, washed up, purified and sanctified. He enters into our messiness. He died for us. So again, if we're going to be in relationship, we need to realize it is messy and we are going to have to be willing to get into the mess of it all. Uh, It's interesting. I talk to people sometimes and they criticize the church because of the hypocrisy in the church. I would rather be the hypocrites in the church than just live with them outside the church. It's interesting when someone said, well, I want to be a part of a New Testament church. And I really, I seriously do this. I laugh. 
Sometimes I laugh at their face, and then sometimes I just laugh inside. Depends on how well I know you. Because I go, okay, which New Testament church you want to be a part of? The Corinth church that was all immoral and a hot mess? Or do you want to be a part of the lukewarm church, Laodicea? Or do you want to be a part of the church that lost its first love? Because those are the New Testament churches. So I'm even saying that even back in the New Testament, when Paul's your apostle and, and, and Timothy's your pastor and, 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 and Ephesus had lost its first love, you know, you know, we're talking about people that are messy, situations that are messy. And I want to be a part of the mess of seeing people's life changed. Sometimes the church lets us down. Sometimes it hurts us. Sometimes our expectations are let down. Sometimes we don't agree with the political views of some of the leadership in the church. And it can pull us away, pull us away, instead of leaning in and embracing the mess. Eugene Peterson has probably impacted more churches, more pastors in the 20th century than any other guy, or one of the top five guys, at least in my life, I know this. This is what he says about the church and belonging to the church. All membership in the church is a corollary to our faith in Christ. We can no more be a Christian and have nothing to do with the church, then we can be a person and not be in a family. It's a part of the fabric of redemption. The church is a mess, but we get to be a part of it together. Go back to the fourth century when Augustine becomes a believer and is a part of the messy church of the fourth century, he said this, he cannot have God as his father who refuses to have the church as his mother. He's just pointing back to the fact that the church is messy. It's difficult at times to even be in relationship. But Paul, when he's talking to the church at Rome, writing this letter, he's never even been to the church at Rome, but he's writing them and he's encouraging them. He's exhorting them. He's challenging them. He's training them. He's giving them sound doctrine, but he's also telling them, even though you're going to be a sound church with good doctrine, let me say this to you. If you don't love, you miss it. If you don't have that love relationship with one another, you miss it. Romans chapter 13, verse 8 to 10 Paul surely was thinking back to the, 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 the greatest commandment that Jesus gave. He says, Oh, no one anything except to love each other. For he who loves another has fulfilled the law. Basically, I want to do what's right. I want to live up to God's standard. What's God's standard? Love one another. He says, he, and he goes on to the commandments. He says, You should not commit adultery. You should not murder. You should not steal. You should not covet. We know those commandments. There's a lot of people who focus on the Ten Commandments, but yet you ask anybody, I challenge you, who says the Ten Commandments is the, the, the model, and then ask them to write out the Ten Commandments in order, I guarantee you 95% of the people will not be able to do it. Maybe 99%. But yeah, that's the most important thing. No, we've got to get the most important thing down, and that is to know God, and that is to love people. And that's why Paul comes back here and he says, listen, you get caught up in these other commandments. Here is his sum it up in this word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. He's pointing right back to what Jesus said. If we don't live in a, in a harmonious love relationship, love does no wrong to its neighbor. Therefore, love is fulfilling the law. You do that well, you love each other well. well how do you love each other in a church like this? Two gatherings, kids over there, students coming on Sunday nights, we're in here, you might miss people. How do you love? You don't just do it in a room like this, guys and gals. You have to do it in groups. And groups are where we connect. 
So if you're not a part of a group, I'm just going to challenge you. You were created for groups. I know we're isolating. I know we're social distancing. I know we're keeping an arm's length or six foot, a razorback between us. But in reality, we've got to figure out how to be connected to one another. Because if God calls you to Grace Point, here's the reality. If God calls you to Grace Point, if you don't have, the magic number is seven. Okay, put it down. Seven. That's the magic number. Seven relationships, meaningful relationships where you know names, you know, you know kids' names, you know, you know people. In, the, in six months, if you don't have seven relationships with people in that church, your likelihood of you sticking and staying in that church is very slim. This is not just me arbitrarily pulling that number. There's been studies that have been done about that. The key is that you got to step out and say, okay, I'm going to embrace the mess. I'm going to get in people's lives and be a part of people's lives. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 24, a man who has friends must himself be friendly. So reach out, reach across, make the first step, get connected. The way you can get connected to a group is texting in 97000, text in GPC, connect, and it will start the conversation. Again, How do you love your neighbor well? How do you love your neighbor as you love yourself? You get into the mess of people's lives. Just like you need people to get into your mess of your life and help you sort things out, you need to be connected in relationship. Number two is love happens in meaningful action. Love is a verb. I know you know that. It's not a feeling. That's, the, well, that's what we default to. Love is a feeling. Love is a verb. Love does. Great book out there. Bob Goff's book, Love Does. Read it. Simple read. Get it on audio. Listen to it. Easy. He's a funny storyteller uh, guy. And, and it's an incredible book. Just challenge you. Love does. He says love is never stationary. I like that. Love is never still. Love does. That's why James says in chapter 2, verse 16, don't tell somebody wish them well, but then don't take care of them. Go in peace, keep warm and well, but does nothing for their physical needs. What good is that? Love does. Love does whenever you're in any kind of relationship because love is going to require you to be patient and kind and not envy. Love does. Love does because when you read 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 and 8, a song uh, in my childhood comes out when I, when, I, when, I, when I hear those words. And some of y'all know that song from your childhood. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God. So the acid test of whether or not I've been born of God is am I loving? That's why I can't separate these two out. If I'm not loving, there's not this. Knowing God, verse points that out, plain and straight. God sent his own son into the, excuse me, uh, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God, and anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. See, we're able to love because we were loved. Because Christ first loved us. And it goes on in verse 9 and 10. It says, In this the love of God has been made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that he might live through him. And in this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us. 
He loved us and sent his son as a propitiation, as a substitute, as a payment for us. Don't miss. It starts here and it works out. And it never separates. The two are never part ways from, from one, one another. You don't, uh, you don't feel your way into to, to, to action. You act your way into a feeling. We talked about that a few months ago. We have a mo- motto around here that every member is a minister and every ministry is meaningful because why? You only have a couple of hours a week that you can give and serve. What we want you to do with those couple of hours is to give it in service in the life, meaningful touches of other people. So enter into the mess Go into the relationship and realize that if I'm going to enter into a relationship, I'm going to have to give of myself. Um, in relaunching Grace Point after six months of being virtual only, uh, it's, it's, it's incredibly exhausting, I'll promise you that, this whole season for a lot of reasons. But one of the things that's exciting is to be able to see the kids come back in the building and to be able to see them go back into their classrooms. See them know that they're going to go out and they're going to have heard and been taught and been loved on in in, in an incredible way. And one of those ministries that we have is special needs ministries. One of a few, uh, not a lot of churches have it. It's very time consuming, very costly, lots involved. And so it's, it's, it's hard. And we're launching it here. We're launching it only as we have people to launch it. And if, because we're not going to take kids and shove them into a classroom, uh, shove them into a space without the right level of, well, we want to expand that ministry. We don't have it for one service right now because we only have enough volunteers for one service. We don't have it for two services. We want to expand it into junior high and senior high. So I, I just encourage you, if you only have one or two hours, make sure that you're giving it and investing it in people's lives. Everyone needs a small group. We talked about that because it gives you a community. It gives you a place to enter into people's messes and be a part of their mess and then be a part of your mess. Everyone needs a ministry because it gives you significance. You start impacting people's lives. People start impacting your life. And I encourage people, you don't know what to do? Just love people because love does. How do I love people? Totally as an option for you, what's your love language? Start there. Maybe you've read the book, The Five Love Languages. Start there. Start loving with your love language. Acts of service, get in and serve. Gifts, hey, we give out gifts every Sunday to first-time guests. So you can write gifts, wrap gifts, whatever it is. Words of affirmation, you can write cards. You can, you can get in and, and, and impact people's lives and usher people in and help them find a seat or greet them in the parking lot. Quality time, go spend an hour with some children in the floor and, and teach them. Uh, love with your love language. We're not asking you to do anything outside of what God is calling us to do as we love our neighbor as we love ourselves. But in a consumeristic world, we're all about the take and sometimes not about the give. And it is both. We talk about serve one, worship one around here is like, what if I inhaled and exhaled every Sunday? Inhaled and exhaled. Inhaled and exhaled. If you need a place, we have a place, we have a place online, you can go and, and a pastor will reach out to you this week. But where did I get all this? Back in the scriptures, back in Romans, back in Romans chapter 12, whenever, whenever Paul's writing them and he's trying to help this young emerging church, 
He says, the body, the body we're talking about is Christ's body of chosen people. The church, that's what we're talking about, the body of Christ, Christ's chosen people. Each of us finds our meaning and our function as a part of his body. What is your part of God's body? Christ's body is his church. How are you a part of the body? Are you just a limp limb? Are you just an appendix? Nobody knows what the appendix does. Only need one appendix, okay? Don't need a whole house full of them. Here's what he goes on to say in verse 6 to 9 in the message. It says, keep on smiling your face. Love from the center of who you are. Love from the center of who you are. I love it that we, it takes 448 volunteers, or maybe I could call them dispensers of love. It takes 448 dispensers of love every week just to do ministry at Grace Point. People who say, I'm going to love someone like I love myself. I want to be a part of a community, invest in a community. Now, some people just want to consume a community. But if you're considering, hey, I want to be a part of something like this, that's going to help me connect to God, that's going to help me express my love to others in a healthy way, then let's do it. I can remember when God was calling me into this ministry that I'm standing on this stage right now to do back 38 years ago. I was going towards law enforcement. I had cousins and uncles and, and family members that were all in law enforcement. I always admire law enforcement, and I was heading towards law enforcement. And then God redirected me, and he called me into this ministry. Now, you've got to remember, I was, somebody asked me this this week, were you always going to be a pastor? And I had to say no, and I laughed again because it's like, if you only knew me, I'm the dyslexic who had a fifth grade reading level in 12th grade and had no confidence, would go into my Sunday school teacher on the first day of every New Year's, the only time I showed up on time, and and, and told them, never call on me to pray and never call on me to read Scripture. This is the guy that God says, I want you to be a pastor. I'm thinking, God, you way got it messed up. I am underqualified. And it was a pastor who put his arms around me and said, Mike, God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. And God is calling some of you out of your comfort zone to love out of your comfort zone. Not just to love inside of the normal comfort areas of your life. But if you're going to love your neighbor as you love yourself, it's going to be a big move for you. But I promise you, it's worth the relationship. It's worth knowing God and letting out of knowing God, let that spill into loving people. Would you pray with me? Maybe today as you hear this, you reflect on your own gifts, callings, specialties, passions, Maybe you want to be a part of a church that loves well. It will only love well when people love well. And that means getting into the mess. That means being a part of 
serving in, doing the, the, the deeds of love. But we do that not because it's a duty, because it's a delight, because we've been filled up and we can empty out. We serve one, worship one, or worship one, serve one, so we can go from this room right into pouring out into others. Be a part of a community that will call you to the highest and the most important in life. Lord Jesus, in this place, we don't want to put more on people than is expected, but neither, Lord, do we want to miss the beautiful calling that you do in our life. And where we don't feel qualified, we feel uneducated, we're uncertain of the answers, we don't even know, feel comfortable praying, Lord, would you qualify us as you call us and we offer ourselves as living sacrifices to you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand and worship with us?